Hello, this is TechMap and I'm Andy Bargery. Today we are looking at attribution and attribution modeling and what this means for digital marketeers. My guest is Russell McCaithy from Consultancy Deliver Insight. So let's get on with the show. Russell, good morning. Welcome to the TechMap podcast. How are you today? I'm very good. Good morning to you too. We first met, I believe, about six months or so ago. A mutual friend introduced us because we were doing a tech map meetup session all about ROI and the new measures of success. And we couldn't really cover that subject without talking about and looking into the whole idea of attribution and attribution modeling. And you were the, the expert we had along to talk about attribution. So why don't you briefly introduce yourself, tell us a bit about who you are, what you've been up to and, and how you've got to this stage where people see you as, as, as an expert in this space. Yeah, thank you. So um, my name is Ross McCaithy. I uh, run two companies at the moment. So I run a consultancy called Deliver Insight, but I also run uh, a, a attribution software company called Viscore. Um, and my experience in this field comes from fully understanding uh, multi-channel marketing. So when I was in when I was in house uh, as one of my first roles, my analyst role meant that I had to have a full understanding of what the different channels did to the numbers um, and initially that was on a last click basis but as I better understood the levers that were available in individual channels it made me need to understand things that weren't last click anymore and and that kind of got me into attribution although at that point it wasn't really a thing that was talked about in the digital space. Um, and as I moved through and became a consultant and worked with much bigger brands, this was a common issue that was coming up. And that's why I sort of tried to get into and have a better understanding of this multi-touch environment. And one of the ways that I tend to talk to people about this is referencing the, uh, the film Moneyball, which is the, the Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill film from a few years ago. Okay. I don't know um, it, which... but I'll look it up. <laughs> It's, it's a fantastic film. It's one of Brad Pitt's actual best acting roles that he's done himself. And he plays uh, a GM of uh, the Oakland A's, the bo uh, baseball team. Okay. And um, the principle behind this film is prior to, to him managing this team, the Oakland A's weren't very successful. Um, they didn't have much money, and so they couldn't actually go and buy what were perceived to be the best players in the marketplace. Now... What they ended up doing is actually analysing the reason why things were what people scored points in in baseball, and the people who were perceived to be the best players were the people who could score the home runs, the ones that hit it completely out the stadium and got a home run, and they could just walk around the four bases. However, what they actually discovered using mathematics. Um, and a really clever, if, you, if you've got time to read the book and you can sort of get your head around it, it's a fantastic book as well. But what they understood is, it's actually the value of putting people onto first base. So how efficient were the, the batsmen at taking some and putting themselves onto first base? And then how effective were they at moving between the bases rather than just hitting it all the way for a home run? Got so, you. So for those of us that aren't uh, into baseball and know nothing or very little about it, you get points in baseball just for getting around the bases, right? 
So you haven't got you to have get to a home make run. It all the way around. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Good. You have to make it all the way around. But the, the 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 concept of this was that there's there's effectively three bases and then the final base. And if we were to map this back to the digital world. In last click, which is what we see in Google Analytics, is what we see in um, Adobe Analytics, we actually have last click, which is the last interaction before a conversion. And what, what that means is if, if someone comes to your website and just buys by typing in brand name and then goes and purchases something from your website, the channel that they came in on, which could be on a brand uh, PPC through Google, that would that final interaction is the one that you see that that sale is is associated with. In reality, what happens is that that person has come to your website multiple times probably and has used different search terms or different channels to find your website and do research prior to purchasing. So what we need to do in uh, an attribution environment is understand every single touch point that's happened, but then also understand the value of every single mm. touch point and this is where that correlation with with moneyball works got you okay so what i think is interesting is when we asked the question at the start of that meetup last year we we asked everyone to raise their hands or i say we you asked everyone to raise their hands if they actually had an understanding as to what attribution was and i think the response was quite surprisingly low so the way you've described it there is, is reasonably clear as to what it's all about. But do you think there's within the industry, is there a lack of understanding as to what attribution is and, and the value it can bring to a marketing department or even a business? I think the understanding of the value it brings is very low. I think it's been a buzzword for quite a few years now and people understand what um, the sort of the fundamentals of what attribution are typically, especially more in the digital space. What the, 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 the kind of the two questions I tend to ask is uh, who here has heard of attribution and you get a sort of 50 to 90 percent understanding of what they think is attribution. Um, and then I say who here is using attribution and that goes to about 10 to 20 percent. And then I say who here has made a change to what they are doing tactically based on the numbers in attribution. And if there is a single hand up, that is very, very rare. And this is, the, this is the key issue we have is that even with an attribution model in place, unless you fully understand the, the psychology that sits behind what you are needing to do to make that change, that tool doesn't have much value. Do you think that, that, is, is, that uh, that's kind of similar across the board where you find a business is getting lots of data around a type of performance but they're not sure yet what to do with that data how to visualize it how to interpret understand analyze and make a difference using that data could be the same in uh, attribution through marketing channels as it could be any other part of the business where there's suddenly a lot more data than there used to be it completely it's completely the same situation um the main challenge you tend to have is actually that the business has had a version of the truth that they're happy with um, and that version of the truth is typically an analytics platform or a CRM system that they're managing or a sales-based system where that is what the finance team uses to show business success or something like that. And, and that's their version of the truth. And if you come in with an attribution solution and it's not fully communicated, not just from a we're using this now, but this is 
what it's going to show and the value it will bring and the different mindset you'll need to be in to fully get value from it. It's just a different version of the same numbers because ultimately in attribution, if you are generating a thousand sales a month, it will always be a thousand sales a month once you've done uh, an attribution model. That doesn't change the sales numbers. It doesn't change the revenue numbers. What it does is it changes the value you bring. So the cost that you distribute to those sales will be different in different places. So you'll have a different ROI by channel and you'll have a different understanding of how each channel interacts with each other. And that final point is how they interact with, with each other comes and stems back from how consumers engage with the brand. And that as a fundamental level is a psychological change into how you manage your media differently. Because it's not just I'm pushing media to get people to convert off this action or I'm driving brand awareness, which are typically the awareness versus performance mm. approach. It's actually this activity is to drive the next action and it's the next next best action kind of thing. So it doesn't matter what so, that action is, whether it's a performance or a brand action, it's still that's what you're trying to improve or understand better is how to make people better take that next action. Exactly. And it, and it's the the equivalent of if we know that if we do brand advertising to raise brand awareness, we know that that activity is not going to drive sales. So from a historical point of view, that is that's something that's known within the display industry, within the print industry, that if you're doing something that's just to raise brand awareness, this typically is not the best sales channel. However, in PPC brand traffic, that activity where you, someone's typed in your brand name, that tends to convert very highly. Mm. So there's there's two different approaches there. But what we what we need to have an understanding of is what is the best action that should follow whatever activity you're driving because all we're doing is understanding what value that activity should bring um, and then critiquing it against that because ultimately it's about raising lifetime value of an average customer and if we know that if we do this type of activity it drives a following type of activity all we're doing is we're moving that person through a pseudo funnel um which is being created. And it's not as simple as an old school funnel where you had uh, acquisition activity, behavioral activity, converting activity. Um, it, it has a lot more ebb and flow and there's many different types of funnels and journeys that we can take someone through. That's why I keep on sort of coming back to the, the value proposition here, which is if we can distribute value and understand the value of everything, it allows us to put context around the decisions we make tactically along a sort of strategic journey where we're saying we want to move someone and engage with someone and improve their understanding of what we do as a brand, what product offering we have, what quality of product we have, and ultimately how you can purchase that through us. And that entire strategic journey, how can we tactically move levers to increase the ultimate value that we bring to consumers? Okay, and is and, and those levers that you're talking about moving there, are they all digital or are we talking about uh, analog as well? So, for example, television advertising, print, out of home, for example. Does does attribution go cross-channel, I suppose, is the question. 
It does. What we find is the more we go offline, the less accurate the, the data points we have. So when we have online data, we can go to the nth degree. We can say someone definitely came to the website. They definitely clicked on this link. They definitely made a purchase through this link. They, um, they saw this advertising online. They saw it. They didn't click on it. But ultimately, they then came back to the website. And I'll, I'll expand on that in a bit mm. um, as well. We then go back uh, to another sort of the next step up where there's certain activity offline that we can tie back to customers. So there's a level of probability that comes with this. So, for example, with direct mail, we know that we've sent a brochure to that person's home uh, because we've got their email address. And if we've ever had them online and authorized and we've got a unique identifier, so they've signed up to receive uh, an email or a brochure offline, and then we've sent them that brochure. If they then come back to the website, we can say that there is a level of probability that says that that person has come back because we've sent them that mm. brochure. It's never going to be exact. There's a few ways that it could be, whether they need to put in a special code that gives them a discount or special value that means that we can tie that back to that activity or uh, a short URL or a, a sort of a value prop URL. So it's something that means that they only come through that direct mail messaging, but everything is going to be probability based at that point. Got you. The, okay. next the next level up is the TV, the radio, the out of home, where we have to use geographic location probability to say, we know that this person is visiting the website or they're making a sale offline through this specific location and we've served TV advertising to that location. There is then a understanding that there is a probability that that TV activity has increased the propensity for them to do another action. And that's where we can start to get into probability causation modeling, which just gives us a better understanding of the reasoning why someone would interact with that brand. But the accuracy decreases, and we have to use some slightly more complicated math to get an understanding of the value of that activity. Mm. So you're, you're kind of in the realm of media mix modeling here, aren't you, really? That's what? exactly what this is as well. It's, it's a combination of uh, media mix modeling, econometrics modeling, and then tying that into data sets that we have exact information sets for. Mm, okay, so as we've got more and more data on our customers and the ability to tie that into the campaigns that we're running, the easier it is to attribute performance to those particular campaigns, which makes perfect sense. So what's the starting point? Because I'm, I'm imagining there's quite a few people that are, are just starting out on this road, just trying to better understand or or take this path to understand what's working for them. Um, what's the starting point? Where do you, how do you get involved in, in attribution? I think the starting point should be for everyone to audit or at least self-audit your last click data. Um, Pretty much every single person I engage with um, has some significant issues with their main data set, their current version of the truth, which makes it a lot more difficult to come in and give them a different mindset if their current mindset is based on inaccurate data or at least um, their, the value of their display, the value of their PPC is not actually um, the version that we would then present back to them as a last click basis. So mm. I would say the first first thing for most analytics is just, just making sure that you critique your own data. The next sort of the thing that you take a step on 
is if you're using Google Analytics or Adobe um, Analytics, there are multi-channel, multi-touch understandings within those tools that will give you a better insight into how frequently someone does use multiple channels and multiple devices to engage with you as a brand. That gives you an understanding of the frequency of this happening and also what the potential impact would that would have on if you need to bring in an external tool provider to actually give you that understanding. I think the as I sort of mentioned earlier, the psychological uh, psychology of change in a business, the key thing here is if you were to bring in an attribution provider that could give you those insights that you could go and then make a difference and make those tweaks and make those changes, is the business set up and do the right people have the right clout in the business and it's not too political to make those changes psychologically with the team that ultimately makes budget decisions? Yeah, that's interesting. And what, and what you said, actually, sorry to interrupt you in your flow there, Russell. What you said, uh, one of the things you said during the meetup last year is it's a little bit like a credit card statement. You know, everyone gets their credit card statement. Everyone gets their analytics reports but no one does anything about it until it's going wrong or until you run out of cash in terms of credit card statements so I guess it's having the mindset and the ability to think about what's that data and how can I use it and how can I change things as a result of that completely it's it's the ability to to change because everyone's like oh if I have the data that proves something I'm always going to be able to make a difference there and that that is the case but sometimes it's a political situation internally that the the PPC manager versus the display manager, they're, they're very conscious of next year's budgets and being able to do the things they want to do and, and fair play to them. Or it's an internal team versus an agency and the agency's being quite, they're, they're conscious of being critiqued about what they're doing. So it, it, it's a quite difficult situation mm. to be in sometimes. So that's why it's, it's very psychological in the business. And, and if you're the person leading the project internally, it's important to have a better understanding of, of actually what can be done and would people be up for understanding a different version of the truth and the reality of how consumers engage with you. And, and this leads into your your dirt and clouds concept in terms of the skills that people need to be able to to work in this space and make a difference using attribution. Tell me some more about that, or, or go back over dirt and clouds for me. Yeah, so um, one of the biggest things that's probably an issue in the analytics community is that there's many different skill sets. So if you were to employ an analyst, just generally outside of attribution, just in in general analytics. There are many different types of analysts. Um, there are people who are very good at implementation. There are people who are very good at answering questions that are posed to them from the business. Um, and a lot of analysts are employed to answer questions and uh, and yet are not necessarily able to create the questions themselves. What we have in, in attribution is a requirement for different skill sets. So the big thing here is, what you should be paying for when you are getting attribution is you should be paying 20% of what you do into the tool. You should then be putting either payment or effort for 80% onto headcount. You should have people who can use this data and make change in this data. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to be analysts here. It can be PPC people, it can be display people, but they have to put time against this as a project to enable it to work. It's the same with analytics. You can't just have one person going, 
this is my input, this is my insights, here's the changes that should be made. But then the PPC, the display, the SEO, the email guys don't have the capacity to action those changes, which then completely negates the value of everything. Now, within that headcount, you need two kind of different types of people. You need the people, the technical, the people who get their fingers dirty with the data, the, the dirt, to make sure that you have data clarity and it's accurate because otherwise the people who are the clouds, they're the thinkers, the dreamers, as, as Steve Jobs says, they're the people who need to question the data and come up with their own insights, not just the, the questions that the business would typically ask. Because the whole point of this is this is a psychological shift in the way that you understand how consumers engage with you. So it's very important that the analyst has the creativity and the freedom to go in and pose questions back to the business to say, look, I'm starting to see some trends in this area. Does this mean this? Or if we were to test this, would you be willing to test this like this? Because I see a trend that might we might be able to take it down a different path to where we are at the moment. And this is why you have to have the availability of the external teams from a time point of view to make sure you get full value from the overall project. So in other words, you need a strategist, you need a data scientist or a mathematician to work together to actually understand, interpret and analyze, then use that data to make a difference within the business. Yep, that's pretty much it. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> so who's who's doing this? Which brands have taken a, a leading or put the best foot forward to take a leading stance on using attribution modeling and what difference are they seeing in their business that justifies the time, the expense and the investment in this area? I think the the two areas that I know are further af, sort of af, further ahead than other verticals that are available there are finance and travel. I think e-coms is probably the next one back, um, and those three are, the, are probably the key verticals that we're seeing a lot of traction in. There's kind of there's a few reasons why those are the cases. So within finance, it's uh, a lot in insurance because the ability to match someone through an entire quote journey and then throughout a lifetime of a policy that has incredible value to the to the insurance company because typically within insurance, the company doesn't make a lot of money, if anything on the first year's sale. So when you're generating a quote from an insurance company, the value of that quote is actually not just year one, but year two, three, and four. So if you can understand the value of that customer and how much you should take to acquire that customer from a cost perspective, prior to them even having an agreement with you, that's key to have a better understanding of how the lifetime value of that user can grow. Mm, okay. And we see this in uh, within travel because, again, the acquiring a customer as a statement is key here. So they're not just acquiring a customer for a singular purchase. They're acquiring a customer who would come back, they would reuse that same brand to purchase future hol holidays, hotels, flights, etc., so it's understanding the cost of acquiring a customer and the lifetime value of the customer so you can actually get the true value of not just your activity but what you're doing full stop across the board. Got you. Okay, so any industry where customer acquisition costs are high and lifetime value is high as well, so you need to keep hold of them for a long time, would certainly see a benefit from taking this approach to looking at attribution uh, in a bit more of a structured way. 
Yeah, indeed. And I think that what what we tend to see as well is where there are multiple transactions uh, over a period of time or a singular high value transaction that has a long research many interactions over a long period of time. Both of those right now are the companies that are the most excited about the the attribution uh, that is able to be provided to them. That's really interesting because what we've talked about there is is mostly consumer marketing. But from what you've just said there, is this a, there's a real opportunity here for B2B marketeers as well because typically they're looking at either low value repetitive transactions or they're looking at uh, high value uh, less frequent transactions i.e buying a big server estate for example or at the repetitive end buying you know regular uh, stationary orders for example so maybe then within those spaces that there's sort of less sexy end of the marketing world there's an opportunity there there's a huge opportunity mm-hmm. and, and it's something that I have um, worked with a few companies with where their average purchase price is, is 40 million pounds for one single product and this journey that they have where they're buying multiples of those where it involves hundreds of sales staff, um, m- many B2B marketers as well, how do you have an understanding of the value of every single phone call that those sales team has or the meetings or the flights to Geneva or wherever it was where you have to go and meet with that person for a few hours. How, how do you get an ROI on each piece of that activity? Because typically within the B2B space, there's a combination of the B2B marketing, but the, the sales staff themselves are incredibly well paid typically and a lot of it's based on commission and there's a lot of money that goes into the the salary of those sales staff and how do you understand who's a great salesman and who's not based on the activity that they're doing so there's a there's a lot of activity a lot of work going into this at the moment there's a there's a thought, a few tools that are focus specifically on b2b attribution that's in the market that are doing quite well what are, what are, um, they, what are those tools russell your... Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, well, tell you but, what, let's send me a link. Send me a note afterwards, I'll, and I'll put it yeah. in the show notes. So everyone can catch up with those tools because it sounds like that that could be an interesting space to look at in more detail. Yes, and and they're doing quite well in understanding the value of a salesman when it comes to making those um, those calls on a, a regular basis and those meetings and the value of a meeting. I think what we're actually going to get to in sort of two to five years time is starting to understand the value of different lengths of meetings, the value of different uh, sales styles and and things like that, which will better hone sales skills, but it will actually also help the recruitment process from a sales perspective. It will also help the bonus process, like how much bonus should you make is actually based on the value of the activity that you have produced as part of a sales process that included many sales staff. So I see a a data based version of an attribution process supporting uh, a next step or a next innovation within the B2B sales environment as much as it does in the consumer space. That's really interesting. So what you're saying is that the sales guy at the moment might take all the commission for a sale but because there might be multiple different people within the sales structure that are involved in that the commission payments should then be structured throughout each of those different individuals that have contributed towards that sale did i get that right 
Exactly. So for, for a, a very high revenue sale, you might have your, your senior sales guy, um, your, uh, a few juniors working on it. You might have someone who is great in meetings, is your data person who always goes to the meetings. Yeah. Um, and what you'd be able to do is, is actually mm. say, look, that meeting contributed incredibly highly to the ultimate sale. Who was in that meeting? And we'll distribute the value of that. And also, it might just change your sales strategy to say, look, whenever we have a half an hour meeting with people versus an hour versus a four hour, each one of those will have different impact onto the value of that sale. And sometimes we, we've got to the, the space within e-coms where we can actually start to not just understand the change in propensity to sale, but also the speed of sale and how much it can increase by doing different things and how we can take someone to from a five-stage process to a three-stage process. And if we could do that in a B2B space, that's an incredible cost saving, but also it could change your entire strategy on how you sell to people. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's going to get a lot of people excited and probably upset a lot of people as well particularly high-performing sales guys who are earning huge amounts of commission right now. <laughs> <laughs> but that sounds like an exciting future. Uh, I, I guess then, you know, what it feels like to me is it's about better understanding and using the data and the information that's available to us, but also collecting the right information in the first place and aligning that to business objectives. So t t tell me then about what are the skills that a, a marketeer needs to have to be able to understand and and move more in the direction of properly attributing success to their communications? I think that there's a specific skill set that a lot of typical old school marketers have not had to take on board, which is the ability to look at a table of numbers and see trends in data or at least understand the next thing that you should be deep diving into. Um, and I've seen this trend as people have sort of came into the teams I'm working with or the, the clients that I've gone to go and meet and I put some data in front of them and go, so this and this connected will show that the value of this consumer is decreasing over time. And I think this kind of thing can be taught and it's, and it's just the ability to look at data and to, to understand the story that sits behind it. And I think that, what we're seeing as digital becomes a bigger part of business is that the understanding of the analytics behind it is becoming more and more important. Mm -hmm. And I think for, for a marketer that doesn't have their fingers in the data, I think the first step is just to go, look, I want to get these reports, but I want to talk through these reports with someone. It's not enough just to be sent the numbers. I need to go and talk to these people. So when I was working in-house, how I did that was – I said, I know the finance do the forecasting, but I want to redo that and I want to completely run the entire forecasting for our digital marketing activity. So I took on board what was a massive project, but that meant that as the analyst, I was going every week to go and meet with the head of PPC, the head of SEO, the head of email to understand what they were doing to then help forecast what we were about to do. And I think that a lot of businesses at the moment are so tied up in looking at what happened. If they started to think about, okay, what could happen to the numbers based on the trends we're seeing, then they start to understand what levers are available within those individual channels. That then gives you a much better understanding of the numbers than looking historically ever will. 
And this is a fundamental thing that I, I see all the time in, in those weekly meetings that everyone has on a Monday or whatever day of the week they have it, where they walk into that meeting and someone goes, look, guys, we're up 20% last week on the previous week. So let's go to the pub. It's been a great week. It's a Monday after. It's Monday. Let's go to the <laughs> pub and celebrate. We're 20% up. And then the following week, they come in and they go, guys, we're 30% down on last week. That's not great. What happened? And then you spend, the, the analyst goes and spends two days trying to work out what happened. And they work out there was a few things that there was a few bugs in the data and and, and all this stuff happened. And, and then the next week, they're like, guys, we're 15% up. Let's go to the pub. But what <laughs> they don't realize is they were 15% up on a number that was 30% down, which is really easy to do. If your number's quite low, it's going to be quite easy to go back up again. And, and it's because those people, when you live in a week-on-week or a month-on-month environment, it's, it's an understanding of, look, this is a trend over time. We have to look at seasonality. We have to look at many other factors. It's not as simple as a single report or a single metric. All the time, it's about understanding the bigger picture and, and mm. what, what impacts everything in that space. It's not ever a singular metric that makes a difference. So, for example, you should never look at conversion rate on its own on a graph because even though that's going up or going down, conversion rate is indicative of the traffic that you put to that website. So in the worst case scenario, in a, if we were talking pure play e-commerce here, you should have the volume of visits by week over time and the volume and your conversion rate over time. So that's the minimum criteria to say, look, if I drive more traffic, what happens to my conversion rate? Because typically conversion rate decreases with the traffic mm. volume increasing. So you'd want to see those two metrics side by side. But then someone will go, actually, I want to monitor bounce rate as well. So bounce rate is also indicative of visit volume. So what in a perfect world, what I would do is what I call true conversion rate in this scenario, where if you remove the bounces from your website, from the, the visitors you get, and use that as your true visitors, and that's the, the number that you calculate conversion rate on, then you can start to say, actually, the consumers that came to my website that didn't leave, what is their conversion rate? Because that's the true number that, as you grow traffic, that impacts the amount of sales you actually make at the end. There's a there's a change I'm going to make right there to some of my client <laughs> campaigns. <laughs> and, and if you're using Google Analytics at the moment, you could do this really easily um, using their new calculated metrics function. So you can go in and set up true conversion rate as a metric that automatically would be able to be added into dashboards and your reports in Google Analytics. Um, and you can do it as a calculated field in Discover within Adobe Analytics as well, if you'd like to. Is Google Analytics the kind of default? Is that the starting point for pretty much everybody? Because it's a it's a very in-depth, powerful analytics tool that's obviously free to use, um, and we see it everywhere. Is that typically the starting point? I've got analytics on Google. What, what does all this mean? How do I interpret this? How do I make a difference with that? So um, Google Analytics is free. Uh, as the as the, the the universal analytics is a free product, uh, it's a fantastic product. It does a lot. It's the product of choice for people who don't have money to spend on their analytics or don't have the volume of traffic that requires them to put budget against mm. analytics as a as a process. 
just putting the JavaScript tag on your website is not enough that Google Analytics is useful to you as a brand. Mm. There requires a, a an installation process. You have to understand what metrics are important to you. You have to set up goals, segments. You have to make sure your filters are set up right. So that's the kind of the key tip here is just putting Google Analytics on a website is not enough. It can do so many other things, but you just have to make sure you understand what you want to get out of it yep. before you think. It's, it's not enough to say, I've got analytics now, so I've got my data. It needs a bit more than that. The likes of Adobe and Web Trends and Google Analytics Premium, all of those are the next iteration. So if you have a more a bigger appetite or a larger volume of, of visitors where you need a more premium service, those products are available to have an understanding. And it also, going back to the if what your, what your business actually needs this to, this is for, there are other products within the analytics space that have specific uh, reasoning for, for them existing. So if you have a brand that lives in the real time, so you have to make very quick decisions, whether that's more a social-based brand or you have a lot of videos on your website where you actually need to see some interactions or the comments are frequent, so you need to make sure that you can make changes frequently to your brand. The likes of Go Squared as a company does real-time analytics, um, and that is a different mindset that the brand has to be in because they've got different KPIs. Mm. Yeah, I think re real time is a whole different ball game, isn't it? Really, in terms of being able to respond to activity live on site and make a difference there, uh, requires a whole different level of analytical ability. This is beyond your average Google Analytics install and marketeer, I would suggest. Indeed, and and it comes back to um, I, I think real time has a perfect place in the space if you have the ability to make changes in real time. If you're not able to make changes in real time, real time doesn't have any value at all. And you see that Google Analytics added in real time functionality in the sense you can see mm. what people are doing, who they are, where they're from, but they haven't really innovated on that yet um, to make it really actionable in the space as brands such as GoSquared have done. Um, and, and they've picked up traffic from people who are able to make those changes in real time. So can I can I ask you two two final questions then? First one is, what what are the three things that any marketeer listening to this who hasn't yet started in the attribution world? What are the three things they should do? And second question is, where where should people go to find out more about attribution, attribution modeling? What are the blogs, websites? Who are the thought leaders aside from yourself? Obviously, that people should be looking up and reading about. Both of those questions are quite difficult um, because it's quite a new community and there's not many people out there talking and writing about it. I think a good place uh, to start from a reading perspective is actually to better understand the, the channels themselves and how they interact and how people talk about them. Websites such as smartinsights.com, eConsultancy are both great websites to have a better understanding of a fuller marketing mix. There's some articles on there already about attribution. Uh, none from me, actually, but um, there's a bunch on there. And having that understanding of multi-channel marketing before you get into the mathematics of attribution. The, the thought leaders in this space um, typically come from the providers 
So the the likes of Rakuten have uh, some guys who do some talks uh, about it. Um, the guys at uh, Adometry also have some interesting data sets from there as well. So it, a lot of the time at the moment, there's not actually people from a brand side or from a technology side uh, that are speaking about it in, in a frequent manner. Okay. Um, and that's why I've probably done quite well out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. Perhaps you can be that thought leader that's, uh, that it is leading this conversation and making sure that as a community, we are making a difference in understanding and picking up attribution modeling more quickly. That, that's the plan. And that's why I speak at a lot of conferences and I try to get word out there through a conference circuit to a wider variety of audience. I, I don't actually blog much myself, which I probably will change over sort of 2016 and, and get some new articles out there because I think a lot of the typical thinking about attribution is focused on display media and just having an understanding of post-impression and the value of display media. And there's so much more out there that needs to be sort of changing the perception of attribution because mm. for me, attribution is understanding the true way a consumer engages with a brand rather than just trying to make it about individual tactical changes from a channel perspective so it's much much bigger picture than uh, tactical communications completely so I've, I've got a client that um, runs an insurance company that uses our attribution model to give bonuses to their call center staff because historically their call center staff um, bonuses were based on the amount of sales that they drove. However, there was staff there who were very good at customer service for post sales who were increasing the lifetime value of the people who uh, were already customers of theirs who then needed to make a claim, etc. And they're actually increasing the retention rate and that wasn't being recorded. So they're using uh, the attribution tool that I, I helped manage to actually change the way their business bonus structures work for their call center to and that's a completely different approach to having an understanding but it, it boils down to what the way that consumers engage with this brand and the value that that brand brings should be the brand should understand that value and therefore they've started to pay back to their employees where they're actually increasing the brand's value to consumers. Well, that's that's amazing. And, and, and that, I guess, if you go back to Marketing 101, that's what it's all about, isn't it? It's understanding and putting the customer at the heart of the business. So what they're doing there is making sure that the customer is very central to their decision-making around uh, retention, I suppose, which is which is fascinating. Russell, I think we could carry on chatting for quite some time because it is a really interesting space and it, it does sound very innovative what you're up to. But um, we have to we have to draw it to a close at some point. So why don't you uh, why don't you let our listeners know where they can find out more about you, how they can connect with you, and uh, uh, yeah, what's the best way to reach out to you? Yeah, so I think um, my my name is Russell McCathy, M C A T H Y, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Rusty Bear. That's T H E R U S T Y B E A R. 
Um, I'm on LinkedIn under my name, or um, you can just contact me through any of those mediums and I'll get back to you um, pretty quickly. Perfect. We won't go into why you're called the Rusty Bear. I'm sure there's an entertaining <laughs> story there, but maybe not for this show. Russell, look, thanks so much. It is a fascinating space that you're working in, and it does sound like you've got a different take on that, a different approach. And uh, I've really, really enjoyed talking to you. And I, I, I uh, watched back the video of your presentation at our Tech Map session last year as well. And and it's very entertaining the way you talk about this stuff, uh, which you wouldn't think so, given that it's mostly about data and analytics and and stats and maths. But uh, I think if the there are people that are looking to understand and uh, better evaluate their communications or, or to use data better within their business, then uh, I think it would be a, a chat with you would be a great starting point. So Russell, look, thanks again for joining us and um, stay in touch. Thank you very much. Thanks for your time and, and thanks everyone for listening. Thanks for listening. I hope you did enjoy the show. Russell McCarthy is certainly a smart cookie and attribution is definitely an area that uh, most, if not all, marketeers can look to raise their game a little bit. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe in iTunes or leave a comment, leave a review. Let us know what you liked or disliked and let us know what you would like to hear more about. We are going to be growing the podcast and interviewing more smart marketeers and marketing technologists. So get in touch. Let us know what's important to you. Or if you want to join the show as a guest, then uh, we'd love to hear from you too. Thanks so much.